Truth News Network. When nostalgia is memories of restaurants, concerts, walks on the mall. When the good old days include being able to sneeze at Home Depot. When breathing free is a crime against humanity. You need a real leader. One who's focused on the truth. And his name is Dan Newman. That's me. Hey there. How are you doing? How was your Labor Day weekend? Man, if if you live in uh, some places, Labor Day weekend, the holiday always on Monday, the first Monday in September. In some places, schools are out today again, so kids and moms and dads got two days for Labor Day. I know here in my city, some of the schools are honoring that second day. I guess that's really good if you're traveling, especially if you took that long Labor Day weekend and uh, you wanted to make it last, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then travel back to get back at it on Tuesday. That's a great idea. Well, what's been going on in your life? What's been going on in the world since we got together last with Roger Stone last Friday? Since I mentioned his name, let me just tell you this. You can catch his interview, just his interview from that show, by uh, going to Apple Podcast and also Spotify Podcast. Our show title is TNN Live. So in the search bar, either location, either site, just put in the term TNN Live, and all of our podcasts will pop up. There's an index there, and it's got every show, uh, the date, And then, of course, we marked the Friday show as Interview with Roger Stone. That's kind of smart of us, isn't it? That way you don't have to remember. Just go back and grab it if you'd like to uh, hear it. He he brought a lot of interesting things to the table. A lot of things I did not know. A lot of things I suspected, but he confirmed a lot of things. And he's a guy that's been plugged into the landscape of politics in D.C. a long way back. He is a year older than I am. And so he's been around a long time. I mean, I remember and started paying attention to politics beginning with John F. Kennedy, the run-up to the 1960 election in which he defeated Richard Nixon. Uh, I wasn't into politics, but I kind of began to realize what it was all about that far back. Roger did. He's been involved actively in 11 presidential campaign elections. Think about that. That's a lot a lot of political work, which means someone's plugged in. Check it out. Roger Stone, you may disagree with some of the things he said. By the way, he's the first person, and I hope the last person that ever uses the F word live on TNN Live. Uh, He did so out of extreme frustration, and I think just a little bit most of us know about what he has been through and his wife and the rest of their family. Um, I can understand that. I don't like it. I don't use the term. But uh, it, it, it is a justifiable uh, frustration, I'll just say that. So where are we going with the show today? Well, of course, we want you to join us, if you like, toll-free, 866-378-7884. That's 866-37-TRUTH. If you want to ask a question, if you want to weigh in on something we're talking about, Or if you want to start us on something new, something's out there that we don't have on the show you need to get information about, just let us know. Give us a call. And if you don't want to do it by phone, send us a text. 318-470-2879. 318-470-2879. 
So we're going to begin the show today with COVID-19 stuff. There's a bunch of new stuff out that you need to know about. Of course, we're going to discuss some of the Afghanistan stuff. We're going to discuss Joe Biden. You're going to hear from Joe Biden on a very hot topic, something that came up over the holiday weekend that is really a big deal. And you're also going to hear something from former President Barack Obama that will blow your mind. I mean that, folks. It's something that's been out there for several years, and I never saw it. I never picked up on it. And a lot of what's happening today is understandable when you hear what Barack Obama said years ago. So don't go anywhere. And remember, as always, anytime you miss part of the show, and I understand I have a a real respect for those of you who want to listen to two hours every day. And there are people that do that, a lot of people that do that. They can schedule their lives around that, but most of us can't do that. And so, again, those two ways, you can always pick up one of our shows, every one of them, in, in their entirety, at Apple Podcast and Spotify Podcast. Also, shortly after the show every day, we load the show, that day's show, at the bottom of the lead story on truthnewsnet.org. If you scroll right down to the bottom, you'll see in red italics, you'll see a link to each of the podcast shows, and you can click on the link to listen to it or download it. And by the way, you can download them absolutely free. That's what we do here, folks. We do our work and just let you take advantage of it, and we want you to take advantage of it. So where do we begin today? I thought we'd already begun, Dan. We said hello and talked to him for a few minutes. There I am talking to myself again. You know, that's really not bad if you talk to yourself. It's only bad when you answer yourself. You talk to yourself and you answer yourself. I'm not quite there yet. Maybe headed that way. Let's start with this. Do you know what that, you you by now, I don't even need to ask you, you know what the VAERS section on the CDC website is. It's the vaccine adverse effect. Uh, Here it is. Vaccine adverse event reporting system, VARS, VAERS, V-A-E-R-S. It's a section that the CDC put on their website. They've been following since vaccinations began to be uh, followed all the way back to 1990. The CDC tries to keep up, and they ask every medical professional to notify them through this process, the various system, for any vaccination they give to anybody, kids, uh, adults, for anything, not just COVID-19, but for anything. Send that report in to the CDC. Have your doctor do that, and they keep record, and they publish those. Well, how many do you think people died since they began to keep this information since 1990. From 1990 to January of this year. Now think how long that is. That's 90, 10 years, 21 years, folks. For 21 years, the total number of people that have died from adverse reactions to all of the vaccinations And think about what we do with our kids, the vaccinations they get shortly after they're born and before they can go to school. In that entire time, only 1,800 people died. All of them rolled in together. 
According to the National Vaccine Information Center, so far this year, 13,911 people have died from adverse reactions to just COVID-19. And nobody talks about this. Nobody talks about it. According to Health Impact News, an early warning system under the CDC also showed that 2.93 million people have been injured from getting vaccinated against COVID-19 as of August 27th. 2,930,000 have been injured from getting vaccinated. The system's also recorded 1,429 fetal deaths from pregnant women who took a COVID-19 shot. Now, this latest spate of information and news came less than a week after the FDA granted full approval for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Now, let me tell you, that line I just gave you came from a news story. And they just glossed over what they said there. Most people that read this story, they'll just gloss over it too because it's not true. The FDA did not grant full approval for the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. They didn't do it. But the world's going crazy. Everybody's saying, it's approved, it's approved, it's approved. Listen to this. Nobody knew or nobody talked about it. I didn't know about it. Pfizer, at the same time they were developing the BioNTech vaccine, they had a second one that they were developing. And they were giving hardly any of the second one. And I don't have the name right in front of me. We covered the story story last week. Uh, And you can find out very quickly. But the other Pfizer vaccine was approved last week, fully approved by the FDA. And the FDA releases a story or a press release every time they do something like this. And they very plainly stated the BioNTech vaccine is not fully approved. It has EUA, which is emergency use authorization. But this other one, it's okay now. You can take it. Now, why would they do that? Why would they do that? Why would they continue? If you've got one product from Pfizer that is fully approved, why would they continue to even promote another that this same company's using that is only approved for emergency use, the BioNTech vaccine. If you got, by the way, if you got a Pfizer vaccine probably before uh, June, if you got one early in the year or the first half of the year, you got the BioNTech vaccine. Well, here's the reason why, folks. The BioNTech vaccine is the one that they are pushing out willy-nilly and have been. They want to keep it going. Why is that? Because a drug company, if they have a medicine that the FDA approves for emergency use only, that company is shielded from any medical liability that happens to create some kind of adverse reaction among the people who receive it. 
the federal government assumes that liability. But when the FDA grants full authorization for any medication, vaccine or otherwise, from that point forward, that indemnification by the federal government is gone. Anything that happens to anybody is the responsibility of the drug company that created it. So the FDA, they did put it out there. This other one is approved. But they made it very clear the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine is still under emergency use authorization only. And Pfizer is pushing. The only one they are pushing is the BioNTech COVID-19 vaccination. Tell everybody you talked to about that. Tell them about it. You can look it up. You can go to our stories last week. We covered it extensively. And we actually published the release on our story one day last week. You can get the, the entire release from the FDA. Department of Health and Human Services announced on the 18th that a booster shot for COVID by Pfizer Moderna would be available to all adults by September 20th. Therefore, those who have completed their first round from the two shots are recommended to seek their third shot eight months after their second shot. Despite the high number of deaths from vaccination folks, Pfizer and BioNTech claimed that a booster shot for their two-dose vaccine would help improve the body's ability to fight COVID-19. Now, what about that conversation, besides the obvious about the Pfizer vaccine, BioNTech, and then pushing that, but not uh, pushing the one that has been fully approved by the FDA? Besides that, what else pops out in that story? You know what pops out in that story for me? What did we hear beginning in March of last year, every day, all day long? We've got to get the vaccinations out. If we don't get the vaccination, if we don't get that out in the marketplace and people can take it by the millions, people are going to die by the millions. And it was this push, 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 push. And then when it first came out, they said, hey, this is going to take care of the efficacy of all three of these are going to take care of it. The odds are better than 90 plus percent that if you get one of these vaccinations, you're not going to get the disease. So therefore you're not going to, not going to die from COVID-19 in almost every case. I mean, they went on and on and on infinitum 99 point something for kids and all this kind of stuff. Well, over the last 90 days, the efficacy of all these vaccines have begun to plummet. And in some cases now, they're down in the 40% effective rate to stop COVID-19. Now, they told us the only way to prevent bad illnesses and eventual deaths from this is to take a vaccination. They're being proven wrong. What's bad about it is they've been wrong from the very beginning. And I think, I don't know, but I think they all knew that and hid it from the American people. Now, we had Dr. Fleming on here a couple of times, and he explained what the spike protein is all about. Basically, that is a big element, probably the big element 
in these vaccinations. Now, as you know, when they put this in your arm, they're actually putting a piece of COVID-19 in your arm. So that starts the signal that goes to our bodies, our immune systems to create antibodies to fight and kill that COVID-19 virus that's been injected into you. Spike proteins. And what they do is they ramp up the autoimmune system. It doesn't last nearly as long as as they thought it would and that they told us it would. Basically, they said from the very beginning, you only get, it's like these other kids' vaccinations that we get. You don't get them over and over again because your body doesn't lose its immune immunity against the vaccinations that you're vaccinated for. There's just so many moving parts and so much is unknown. So much is unknown. Let me let me just go ahead and tell you this. If you haven't read today's front page story at truthnewsnet.org, make sure before the day's over you take the time to do it. And it's a long, it's a lengthy article, but you need to read it. It's It's got, I wrote a, a preface for it, an introduction, but it's Dr. Joseph Mercola, who is one of the most foremost experts, a real expert, not a Dr. Anthony Fauci expert, but a real expert on pretty much everything to do with COVID-19 and other viruses that are out there and their treatment. And he opens the door on this. Let me tell you the difference between Dr. McCullough. Uh, there are many, but the main difference. He doesn't get up and pontificate in front of a camera without having facts to back him up. And when he wrote the story that we published today, he gave all the sources for everything that he maintained. Very few doctors that are supposed to be the so-called experts that government tells us you got to follow the science. Very few of them give us sources. They give us these faux facts all the time. They're not facts at all. They're fake facts, but faux facts. They don't give us any substantiation for their making those claims. We're supposed to just automatically assume, hey, these are doctors. These are specialists. Fauci, uh, Fauci maybe I ought to change his name to Fauci. That's a short for filthy. I'm not. I'm just joking. But they tell us they're experts, and so we just must benignly accept every word they say as gospel. Dr. Mercola doesn't do that. He included 36 hyperlinked sources in what he wrote that we published today. Check that out for yourself. We tell you all the time, we present facts, but we want you to go to the sources and verify the truth or fiction in everything that we tell you here. I want you to do that today. It's going to open a lot of doors of understanding for you, but it's also going to show you probably have some thought doors that you need to close because we've all been caught up in this rush, this fear, this fear. And we want answers, so we grab, we just grasp anything in the air around us that sounds like it might be truthful. That's what we grab. We can't do that, folks. It is literally life and death. Now, where are we in the COVID-19 whole process? I mean, typically when something like this happens, they discover a vaccine, we take the vaccination, and we get through it. Wow, we kicked it. Never, I can't remember ever, other than the flu. When the flu shots 
came out and started being propagated. I never got one because I've never had the flu. And, and uh, I just didn't, you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't worried about it. Of course, they tried to scare us to death like they did with COVID-19. And they scared a lot of people. And so people started getting flu shots every year. Nobody questioned, wait a minute, you get a vaccination. It's not supposed to be a requirement that it just lasts a year. Nobody ever addressed that, even Fauci. And of course, then here comes COVID-19. Nobody said anything about boosters at the beginning. It only... When they saw the numbers coming in and it looked like, hey, we've got a problem here. This, the, these, All three of these vaccines aren't lasting. So what they want to do is ramp up. Anytime you take the first vaccination shot, your spike proteins ramp up and you have antibodies that are created. And I hate to use the term, but I'm going to use it because it looks like every day it seems to be the right term to use temporary immunity. That's nothing like we were told in the ramp up and all of the uproar about vaccines. But let's compare this Labor Day yesterday to Labor Day a year ago. According to the data from the CDC and Johns Hopkins, daily infections this year or more than four times what the U.S. was seeing on Labor Day last year. That's a 316% increase. Hospitalizations are also up 158%. And daily coronavirus-related fatalities are almost twice as high. Now, what's going on here? Well, this all happens despite the fact that the vaccines, which they told us, That's the key to getting back to the state of pre-pandemic normalcy. Everybody can get them. They're everywhere. In fact, according to the CDC, already 176 million people in the U.S., or 53% of the population, are now considered to be fully vaccinated. And over 206 million have at least got one dose. So what's the cause for all of this sudden ramp up of the disease infections and deaths? Well, they have an answer. You can book it. They have an answer. And you've heard it. It was prophesied by first Fauci and then everybody else picked up on it. And of course, now Joe Biden uses it as the reason why we got to do boosters, the Delta variant. USA Today blamed the big increase in deaths and infections on the Delta variant, but they didn't stop there. They blamed it on, quote, a swath of Americans refusing easily accessible vaccines that most of the developing world is furiously scrambling to obtain. Oh my gosh, that's gut-wrenching. And they're not the only ones doing it. Anthony Fauci. He's also placed blame on the unvaccinated population. He was on NPR the other day and he told Mary Louise Kelly that it's impossible to predict when the U.S. will turn the corner on the pandemic due to 90 million unvaccinated Americans. You can't have 90 million people who are eligible to be vaccinated who are not 
and expect that you can make a good prediction about where we're going to be, Fauci said. Because when you have people unvaccinated to the extent they are, you have the possibility of that mean, ugly virus continuing to circulate, mutating, forming more variants, and getting us back into another situation similar to or worse than Delta. Here's what Fauci's not saying. You remember that story we put out Friday after the Roger Stone interview about what's going on in Israel? Most of the people today, now Israel is the most vaccinated, COVID-19 vaccinated nation on earth. Think about that. Put that in the context of what I'm about to tell you. More than 70% of the new COVID cases in Israel or among the vaccinated. But here you have Fauci on NPR on Friday, screaming and hollering, we can't get this pandemic under control when you've got all these unvaccinated people walking around. They're going to be wide open. They're going to get it, which means they're going to spread it. There's no science to back that up. None, none, none. There is science to back this up. Do you know what happens When you have that many Americans walking around who are vaccinated? Well, of course, Dan, they're not going to get sick. That's not true. They are getting sick. Here's what's happening, folks. When you have 200 million people walking around that have been injected with COVID-19 spike cells, guess what happens? They have COVID-19 in their bodies. 200 million of them are walking around. The infections aren't coming from the unvaccinated people, folks. It's coming from those who have been vaccinated. And when they breathe out, where do COVID-19 cells love to go? into our nasal passages. Nobody's talking about that. If that wasn't the fact, if that wasn't where it was mostly coming from, what would be the logical answer? But it's a good tool to use to ramp up the fear and to force everybody to continue to do what? Get these boosters. Now, we've had doctors on here, Dr. Judy Mikovits, Dr. Fleming on here a couple of times. They've made it very clear. Boosters do nothing except give you a repeat of part one, which was effective only for a little while. That spike protein ramps up your autoimmune system just for a little bit. So let me ask you this. You've heard us talk about Dr. Robert Malone here. He's the guy that invented mRNA. The guy. I would think that if anybody knew the ins and outs, the rights and wrongs, the truths and falsehoods about anything to do with COVID-19 and its molecular structure and how it pertains in impact to the human body, it'd be the guy that invented it. What does he say about it? Immunity confirmed by recovering from COVID-19, he said, 
is better than the protection afforded by the vaccines. And he's citing in part a recent study, that study that we just gave you a little bit from, and in our Friday show, we had an article posted that came from Israel. Israeli researchers discovered people there vaccinated with the COVID-19 Pfizer BioNTech shot were 13 times more likely to get the Delta variant, 27 times more at risk of symptomatic disease compared to those who had recovered naturally from the disease. Now, how could that possibly be the truth? And if it is the truth, where's Fauci and company that were screaming from the hillsides 16, 17 months ago about we've got to get to herd immunity, herd immunity. What is herd immunity? More and more people's bodies are exposed to a virus or a bacteria and their bodies kicked its butt, not a vaccination. And in doing so, their bodies built a natural immunity, an antibody, against COVID-19. Now, we know that about everything else. That's why we do it. Why all of a sudden aren't the experts screaming from the mountaintops, you don't have to have the vaccine. Rely on herd immunity. Yeah, you're going to get sick, but that's how you get herd immunity. Autoimmunity is by being exposed to it. Folks, our bodies do that without us even knowing about it thousands of times every day. Our body's exposed to all kinds of outside agencies, bacteria, and viruses. And one of the beautiful things about the body and the way it functions is it has, we all have, an immune system. And our immune system builds on itself protection against viruses and bacteria that attack it. Dr. Malone said this over the weekend. It's now been shown in that Israeli paper and others that the breadth of that immune response in terms of D and B cell memory populations is more diverse and more long-lasting than the breadth of immune response that comes from spike-based vaccines alone. Antibodies do go down over time. Now, how much do they go down and over what period of time yet regarding COVID-19? We don't know yet. It's only been out for less than two years. Federal health authorities acknowledge that natural immunity exists, but they continue to claim that the protection from vaccines is better. Pointing to a different set of studies, including one from Kentucky published by the state and the CDC. Authorities continue urging everybody, regardless of your prior infection, to get a vaccine. Of course, I don't, I'm not going to allege that the real reason is a monetary reason. I'm not, I'm not going to say that, but I think it has a lot to do with it. Did you read yesterday's story that was published at TNN, Truth News Network? Did you read it? It's a short story, but it's full of some information that makes you ask the question, what the heck is going on? Is this true? Did this really happen this way? Or is it something that uh, it's just one of those other conspiracies? 
What are you talking about, Dan? Well, we've all heard the pharmaceutical companies that are manufacturing and selling these vaccines, they've made a lot of money in the last year. I don't know if you realized it or not, but every dime of profit they made has come straight from the pockets of you and me, American taxpayer. What am I talking about? No one has to pay for a vaccination, at least directly. The federal government has paid Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. All those millions, hundreds of millions of vaccinations they have bought is paid for by tax money. Former President Trump put it this way when somebody asked him about this, talking about Pfizer making billions. He said, that sounds to me like a money-making operation for Pfizer. Think of the money involved, he said. An extra shot. They're talking about the boosters. How good a business is that? If you're a pure businessman, you'd say, you know what? Let's give them another shot. You wouldn't think you would need a booster. He said, you know, when these first came out, they were good for life. That's what they told us. Then they were good for a year or two. And I could see the handwriting on the wall. I could see the dollar signs in their eyes of that guy that runs Pfizer. Hmm. I do think that Pfizer, I will say this. Again, this is President Trump. I will say this. The FDA is bureaucratically run would have taken five years to get it approved, would have never even had it if it weren't for him, Donald Trump. And I learned things. The FDA is virtually controlled by Pfizer. Pfizer has control, not Johnson & Johnson, not Moderna, but Pfizer has control over the FDA, and that's not a good thing. So, don't know why, but Trump appears to be a bit unhappy with Pfizer. Fair enough. Good question to ask. I remember our, our mantra here. When you got a question, something looks too good to be true, follow the money. Follow the money. So who controls Pfizer? If you look uh, in the internet, do a search. And here's a search phrase. Top shareholders of Pfizer. You'll find it. Guess who they are? Three. The Vanguard Group. BlackRock, and State Street Corporation. And so then, just go one layer deep. Who are the top shareholders in BlackRock? You know who the top shareholder in BlackRock is? The Vanguard Group. Now, wait a minute. The Vanguard Group is one of the top shareholders of Pfizer. BlackRock itself is owned by by shareholders. Who are those shareholders? The biggest shareholder is Vanguard. But now it gets really murky. Vanguard is a private company, so you can't see who the shareholders are. But it gets worse. Vanguard is also the top shareholder in that other of the three that are the top shareholders in Pfizer, State Street Corporation. So this just gets bizarre. Do another research. Internet search top shareholders in Johnson & Johnson. The top three owners there are, guess who? 
the Vanguard Group, BlackRock, and State Street Corporation. And Johnson & Johnson, they don't just control uh, the J&J COVID-19 vaccine, folks. They got a lot of brands that they own. Five of the top 10 mutual fund holders of Moderna appear to be subsidiaries, subsidiaries of Vanguard. In other words, Vanguard owns controlling interest in multiple companies and five excuse me, 10 of those are owned by Vanguard. Four of the top 10 mutual fund holders of AstraZeneca. That's the company that manufactures the fourth big COVID-19 vaccination that hasn't yet been approved for use in any way in the U.S. Four of the top 10 mutual fund holders of AstraZeneca appear to be related to Vanguard. The name Vanguard appears in the corporate title, so that's a supposition that they've got something to do with it. Think about that, folks. The Vanguard Group BlackRock State Street Corporation. So, a friend of ours did the research on this for us for the story we published yesterday. Jim O'Neill out of Florida. And he really did a deep vibe dive about the Vanguard Group, BlackRock, and State Street. These three corporations that basically control the COVID-19 vaccine world for the United States. And who else do these companies, these three companies own? Listen to this. They have massive assets in these companies. Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, ExxonMobil, U.S. Steel, Walt Disney, Ford Motor Company, Tesla, AT&T. And AT&T, by the way, includes HBO, CNN, and Warner Brothers. Also, Verizon, Fox Corp, Comcast, Viacom, United Airlines, Chevron, General Dynamics, FedEx, Uber, PayPal, eBay, Alphabet, Inc., uh, that's Google and YouTube, General Electric, Facebook, Twitter, Tyson Foods, PepsiCo, Coca-Cola, Raytheon, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, SeaWorld, Six Flags, General Motors, MasterCard, Visa, American Express, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan Chase, Unilever, uh, that's Ben and Jerry's ice cream, then the New York Times, Southwest Airlines, Delta, BP, General Mills, Procter & Gamble, Dell, Hewlett-Packard, Hasbro, Mattel, Sturm Ruger, DuPont, Hormel Foods, Volkswagen, including Porsche, Audi, and Lamborghini. Those three companies, folks, the Vanguard Group, BlackRock, and State Street, they own most of Pfizer, and they own massive amounts of these companies that I just gave you the names of. If you really want to get lost in the rabbit, going down this rabbit hole, you can start connecting the dots between which shareholders control which companies, which control what other companies, and it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Try not to get a headache while you're at it. Concern at this point is who exactly owns the Vanguard Group. Who are the folks who are profiting from all these shares? 
the stocks of the world's largest corporations are owned by the same institutional investors. So, who owns the institutional investors? They all own each other, folks. This means that competing brands like Coke and Pepsi aren't really competitors at all since their stock is owned by exactly the same investment companies, investment funds, insurance companies, banks, and in some cases, governments. This is the case across all industries. The Dutch group Vrouwen voor Vrijheid, that means Women for Freedom, says, the smaller investors are owned by larger investors. Those are owned by even bigger investors. The visible top of this pyramid shows only two companies, who names we see all the time. They're Vanguard and BlackRock. The power of these two is beyond imagination. Not only do they own a large part of the stocks of nearly all big companies, but also the stocks of the investors in those companies. This gives them a complete monopoly. A Bloomberg report states that both these companies, BlackRock and Vanguard, in the year 2028 together will have investments in the amount of $20 trillion. That means by 2020, they'll own almost everything. President Theodore Roosevelt said this, we can do nothing of good in the way of regulating and supervising these corporations until we fix clearly in our minds that we are not attacking the corporations, but endeavoring to do away with any evil within them. We are not hostile to them. We are merely determined that they shall be so handled as to subverse the public good. We draw the line against misconduct, not against wealth. You know what we've done here from the beginning of this truthnewsnet.org? We have consistently instructed all who question who, why, and what about anything to do with politics or any issues that involve the U.S. political system in any way need to answer that question by doing one thing each time it's asked. Where's the money? Follow the money. The Bible taught us the love of money is the root of all evil. That doesn't mean the money is evil, but the love of money is. As Roger Stone told us last Friday, if you were with us, Washington is no longer about just money. It feeds now totally on power. With power, everything is gettable, including money, of course. Now that we know that not only was there some type of collusion at the top by those responsible for the development of these so-called vaccines, and what we told you just a few moments ago, certainly portends the probability that there are common shareholders in the Vanguard Group, BlackRock, and State Street. Can you think of any names that might fit in that, uh, that puzzle? I'll not give you an answer to that question today, but we're digging and we're asking more questions. We're going, we've, we've already dived into the rabbit hole, folks. We're going to come up with, we may hit roadblocks, and we'll tell you we hit roadblocks. 
But we're going to find out who the big individual holders are that own all those stocks and all those shares of those investment funds to find out if this is all legitimate. (laughs) And what have I told you? I, I ask you that question a lot. What have I said from the beginning of this? When it quacks and waddles, it's almost always a duck. So just start making a list in your mind of the wealthiest people on the planet and then begin to look at what they do with their wealth that we know about. (laughs) But, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff, we don't ever have access for certain knowledge. We can put two and two together in some cases and find out. Start thinking. Follow the money. Follow the power and who's using it. And I think we'll get some answers. Back at it right after this. The advanced surgeons at the Center for Innovative GYN Care look beyond quick fixes like birth control to help their patients find the best treatment options for complex GYN conditions. My name is Sakina, and I had the CIGC groundbreaking minimally invasive hysterectomy. I got back to my life in a week with only two small incisions and minimal scarring. Discover the CIGC difference with offices in Midtown Manhattan and Montclair, New Jersey. Telemedicine appointments are also available. Book a consultation at InnovativeGYN.com or call 888-SURGERY. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior fry, and value drink. Price participation may vary. Des Moines HelpWanted.com salutes the employee of the month. The one employee you can't live without. The others, let's just call them Dave. Dave, we need to talk about your sick days. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Employee of the Month? Last week you were out all five days. I was sick. Thanks for checking in. You posted on social media that you were at a comedy club on Monday. Laughter is the best medicine. An outdoor barbecue on Tuesday. Feed a cold, starve a fever, or whichever one needs to be fed. That's the one I had. Okay, Wednesday you took a selfie. Hashtag faking sick. That was supposed to say freaking sick. Thursday you were at an amusement park. Somebody stole my phone. They stole your phone and uploaded photos of you at an amusement park. Yes, fake news. Friday, you tailgated in the employee parking lot. Friday's basically the weekend. Everyone knows that. If you don't mind hiring Dave's, go to the huge national job boards. That's probably what you'll get. But if you want more employees of the month, go where local job seekers find good local jobs. We don't discriminate against people named Dave. Dave is a common name, fun to say, and so we're using it as a catch-all for lackluster employees everywhere. Please don't write us to tell us you were insulted by this ad. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Need more cowbell? Better yet, how about the ring of truth? TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. Nah, I'll stick with the cowbells. Like the cowbells. We got all this truth floating around today, and it gets a little bit nauseating. There's so much untruth that's thrown out all around us every day. You know what? I bet you... If you're listening today, you really don't, you hadn't, you hadn't thought about this, but let me give you something to think about. When, when you spend a lot of time, big part of your day in the weeds, you're going to get weedy. You know what I mean? You're going to get bogged down in whatever you're spending your time and all of your resources in. That's, that's what happens here. 
you just feel dirty at the end of the day after you've dived into all of the nastiness that surrounds all this stuff that we talk about here every day and you feel a little dirty. But at the end of the day, there's always one little thing, it seems like, every day. Finally, you get a fact that you had been pondering over, in many cases for months, sometimes a couple of years, and you find a nugget, and it just gives you this thing. I found it. I found it. And that makes it worth it all. You know, all this stuff about the gain-of-function mystery coming out of the Wuhan laboratory, Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, testifying before Congress over and over and over again, talking about we don't do gain of function. Gain of function is where you take in a laboratory, you take a virus or a bacteria, and you make it more powerful, you make it stronger. Supposedly, it's done so that when it appears in nature, naturally, you found a way, because you've been doing research and finding out exactly what its potential bad stuff is that it can do, you can create something to fight it when that comes out. But gain of function, folks, is is the process that's used in a lab to create bioweapons, biological weapons to attack uh, people and nations around the world and armies and battle and all that kind of stuff. And it's been used by some really low-life leaders in the country in the world. Uh, Basar Assad used it in chemical warfare, killing Syrian people just at will, releasing it on populations and people who get desperately ill, and many died from that. So it's been alleged that the way the COVID-19 got released around the world came out of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And Dr. Fauci was confronted in three or four different Senate hearings, and he adamantly denied First of all, that gain of function, to his knowledge, that research wasn't being conducted in the, the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and that the CDC, in his particular department of the CDC, had not funded, had not given grants for any gain of function experiments. Well, new documents came out over the weekend that detailed U.S. funded research on various types of coronaviruses at that lab in China. More than 900 pages of materials were obtained by The Intercept in connection with a FOIA application against the National Institutes of Health. And it detailed the work of that company. Here here we go again. It's EcoHealth Alliance. That's a health organization that gathers federal money and then funds grants at different laboratories for different projects all around the world. And that is the entity, EcoHealth Alliance, where Fauci authorized grants to go to. And the grant that's written doesn't say anything about it's going to fund gain of function, but that's exactly what it's done. And he got busted for it. Fauci has. The documents detail the work of EcoHealth Alliance, and they include two previously unpublished grant proposals funded by the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. That's Fauci's deal. As well as project updates, project updates related to EcoHealth Alliance's research. One of the grants rewarded by the NIH is titled Understanding the Risk of bat coronavirus emergence. 
and the amount of the fund was $666,422. Now, it includes an outline of a really ambitious plan by EcoHealth Alliance President Peter Daszak, who has been fingered to be one of those involved in gain-of-function research. And um, in this grant application, it says it's to investigate the ecology evolutionary biology and the transmission dynamics of bat coronaviruses at the human-wildlife interface. There you go. Folks, that's gain-of-function research, exactly what it is. Fauci, three times that I know of in Congress, lied. He didn't say, I don't know of. He said, Absolutely, positively, the NIH never funded, granted money to fund gain-of-function research. Rand Paul, senator from Kentucky, he didn't let that stand there. He went deeper in questioning Fauci, and he said, do you mean that the NIH has never done a grant to any lab that does gain-of-function research. And Fauci just famously began to back out a little bit when he realized that Rand Paul was not going to let him have a pass. He said, we know of none that ever was used for gain-of-function. And Rand Paul didn't stop. He said, well, don't you get the results of whatever research is done using taxpayer dollars to fund that research wouldn't you get a chance to look at the results? And Fauci backed up a little bit again. You know, I'm a busy I'm a busy guy. I'm not a research guy myself. I have a lot of things going on that I've got to do, and so I've never looked deeply or dove deeply into the research results in most cases, so I can't answer that. These two documents that were pulled out by that FOIA request, they confirm the United States funded gain-of-function research in effort to make COVID-19 transmissible from animals to adults, and that probably it was being developed to become a bioweapon in that Chinese laboratory. Wow. I told you you were going to hear from the president. I told you you were going to hear from Barack Obama. We're going to do that. But let's get a couple of other things out of the way regarding the pandemic and the, the, the chaos that just continues. Have you heard the name Erwin Redliner? Redliner. R-E-D-L-E-N-E-R. Dr. Erwin Redliner. He's a health analyst on MSNBC. This past week on Andrea Mitchell Reports, he said he has put together a consortium of legal experts who can advise how to proceed with potential criminal charges against state governors. Which governors? The ones that have banned mask mandates and vaccine requirements during the coronavirus pandemic. Red Leonard said this, we have people dying because policies are inadequate. I am furious that we're letting governors get away with these crazy regulations, these efforts to stop districts in their states from enforcing basic principles that we know are scientifically sound. 
That's the phrase. I'm going to stop there. He said, again, I am furious that we're letting governors get away with these crazy regulations, these efforts to stop districts and their states from enforcing, here's the quotable segment, stop enforcing basic principles that we know are scientifically sound. Folks, we don't know. We do, but they won't admit it. They always quote the CDC. They always quote Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci said this. Uh, Science says this. Science proves this. And then they throw something out there, which science does not prove it. Fauci may have said it. Fauci may have promoted it. Fauci may have uh, um, just poopod said it wasn't effective. But just because they say it, folks, we're finding out. There's got to be some reason for them saying this, both ways, whichever issue it's about, both ways. There's got to be a reason for it. I don't know the reason. I'm not going to crawl into conspiracy theories. But folks, even the mask, the mandates that Randall Dinner's talking about, we need to be able to prosecute these governors for stopping the mandatory use of mask in school. The CDC's on their website. They have published the results of 47 different lab-controlled tests that prove no mask can stop or will stop COVID-19 in any significant number of cells. None. The only one that even comes close is an N95 mask that's totally enclosed and using oxygen. And yet these people are on television telling millions of Americans there's something wrong with this and making these blanket allegations that are simply not true. He said, I can't believe we're not stopping those governors from enforcing basic principles that we know are scientifically sound. Vaccination and mask mandates. And we're finding out every day more information debunks the fact that either of those work effectively. One mother in Las Vegas is calling today for a substitute teacher's resignation after the teacher taped mask on the kids' faces in a fourth grade classroom. It happened, folks. Her son is nine years old and goes to Reedham Elementary School in Mountain's Edge outside of Las Vegas. The mom said, I was furious. I was scared for my son on what kind of long-term effect it's going to have on him socially. The fact that the entire class was laughing. He went to get a sip of water and forgot to put his mask back on. The teacher didn't tell him to put it back on or send him to the office. She instead pulled him up in front of the class, in front of all the other students, and she taped the mask across the top of his face. The boy later went to the office to pick up homework where an administrator noticed the tape on his forehead and alerted the principal. The mom said the substitute teacher added a second layer of tape from his nose to his forehead, and with the tape still on his face, he went to the office to pick up homework he'd forgotten at home, and his daddy had dropped it off. When he went to the office to pick it up, One of the administrators saw it. She saw another student who she thought was my son with tape on their face as well. The boy remembered 
that up to five students had masks taped on their faces, which had been happening since the start of the school year. I just can't believe (laughs) people are doing this and getting away with it. Is this a test of just how far we'll let our authorities above us go, stealing our freedoms and our liberties? I mean, think about it. Have you heard that story? That story's been out for almost five days. Nobody's talking about it in the national news. That should set off all kinds of fire alarms. People ought to look at stories like this and say, enough is enough. This is insanity. And I mean, all of these attempts to just lock us down and take over control of every aspect of our lives, case by case, it's going to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court's kicking it out. We're going to talk in a minute about the uh, the abortion stuff that's going on that went on last week regarding the Texas abortion law that the Supreme Court said they've got a right to do it. The world went crazy because the Supreme Court, the place to get the final answers for what is and what is not legal, what is and what is not constitutional, and they want to argue with the Supreme Court. The only basis, the only foundation for anything the far left espouse is just that. What they espouse is okay. Anybody else, anything different, it can't happen. It can't be allowed because we don't like it. We don't think it's right. We don't want it in place. And facts don't matter. Well, wait a minute. They tell us all this stuff. They consider what they tell us to do or what not to do just because they tell us it's facts. And it's not, folks. This just gets worse and worse and worse. I just mentioned some craziness going on about that Texas abortion law went into effect on the 1st. We've got that news and information for you and some other craziness coming out of Mississippi. And it's all put together. It's all part of the same thing. Lockdown, vaccines, mandates, masks. Oh, my God. Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. Welcome aboard Pizza Hut, where our legendary pan and stuffed crust pizzas will fly you to a world of flavors. Taste an all-American pizza sauce, juicy pepperoni, and farm-fresh mozzarella to discover America's mega pepperoni. Or explore the creamy pesto sauce. Chicken and mushroom is in the French creamy chicken mushroom. Fly far above the rest in taste and variety with five new pizzas. And thank you for flying Pizza Hut. See the bold new expression of sporty style. Here, the amazing quietness of a truly luxurious cabin. Feel the exceptional horsepower and amazing torque and experience greater acceleration than ever before. Behold, the most powerful sedan in its class. The new Toyota Camry. Real power, absolute performance. Discover the new Camry at toyota.com.my. madness 
among media, it's just it's just getting into epic proportions. A number of mainstream media figures and outlets, they got they got I mean absolutely tricked. They got fooled by a false story late last week that some Oklahoma hospitals were overwhelmed. Patients were overdosing on the drug ivermectin, a parasite-fighting medication that is also being sold over the counter as a veterinary drug for parasites. And guess what? Hundreds and hundreds of people's doctors, not quacks, but their doctors have tried ivermectin and it's working dramatically in numerous COVID-19 cases. Well, the story which was originally reported on Oklahoma's KFRA TV news, it quoted testimony from a doctor, Dr. Jason McElyay, claimed that hospitals in a rural part of Oklahoma were being overrun with patients overdosing on the drug, causing gunshot victims to have to wait to be treated in emergency rooms. It was later deemed false after the Northeastern Hospital System They denied any of their patients were treated for overdoses from the drug and that McAuley hadn't actually worked at their hospitals in question for months. This just, this is laughable. This just demonstrates the insanity in today's media. In a series of tweets and articles flagged by journalist Drew Holden, a well-known liberal media figure like MSNBC host Rachel Maddow, prominent outlets like Rolling Stone, shared and reported on that story for their millions of viewers and followers with no apparent action being taken by Twitter to combat this as, guess what, you know, misinformation. We've got to talk about the Rolling Stone ivermectin article. Turns out, The story about rural hospitals so flooded with overdoses that they couldn't treat other patients was made up entirely. It was invented. And a lot of people took the bait. And I've got the screenshots. Holton tweeted this. He was referencing Rolling Stone publishing their own piece on the story, one of the first to do so following the original story. And I mean a bunch of them just weighed in. Holden specifically pointed to liberal media figures like Maddow and podcast hope Brian uh, Brian Tyler Cohen, as well as various other writers, contributors, as those who are spreading the misinformation. Maddow had a tweet about, about it that went viral. She's got an audience of millions and couldn't be bothered to even look into a story that pretty obviously doesn't pass the sniff test, he wrote. And as of yesterday morning, Matt Al's tweet was still up. I mean, it, it was just nuts. I'm, I'm reading all, I'm looking at all of the tweets that people put up about it. I mean, just one after another after another. It's fact, it's fact, but it's not. I'm scrolling down at the bottom of the tweets here. I mean, there's 30 or 40. Corrections to the story, nobody made any. Rolling Stone issued what they called an update over the weekend. Now, they reported this whole thing was factual. I mean, they even quoted the doctor and quoted what the doctor supposedly told them 
conversations and the numbers of people that were being impacted by it. None of it was true. Yet Rolling Stone, they didn't delete it. They didn't come back and pull it off, pull the article off. They did an update over the weekend noting, and here's what they said, the hospital, they did all the story. Uh, by the way, the hospital denied any of the story was true. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this particular, these parts of this from Fox News. Listen to the last paragraph of the Fox News story about this. This almost makes me laugh. The FDA and CDC have warned against the use of ivermectin to treat the coronavirus, issuing a statement cautioning Americans that it is not an approved drug for the treatment or prevention of the virus. What is that? That's a disclaimer. They don't want to be accused of spreading false information. But it's not false. Oh, by the way, you know this ivermectin drug you've heard a little bit about? Oh, it can't work, it can't work. Six months ago, we published a 20-minute video of one doctor that offered all of, he and a bunch of doctor partners that he had that were trying on a control basis using several hundred COVID-19 patients and giving them ivermectin. And it worked in every case. And he, he almost cried in the video, begging, begging the CDC, the NIH, just to look at the trial data that they had put together. No reaction. Nobody reacted. And by the way, guess what ivermectin is about? In 2015, the developers of that drug won the Nobel Prize for Medicine for ivermectin. And of course, the FDA hasn't approved it, hadn't approved it for use in this, so therefore we can't talk about it. We can't use it. If it quacks and waddles, pretty much always a duck adding to the <laughs> a litany of mea culpas going on regarding this ivermectin thing, the Associated Press recently issued a correction to one of their reports that alleged 70% of poison control cases in Mississippi were linked to ivermectin's ingestion. It was published in late August, last week of August. The original article said, of calls to Mississippi poison control were related to the use of ivermectin. Several days later, the Associated Press issued a correction, putting the actual number at 2%. This is what it said, their correction. This story was first published on August 23rd. It was updated on August 25th to correct that the number of calls to poison control about ivermectin was about 2%. Incorrect information provided by the Mississippi Department of Health, had said the number was 70%. Now, the AP did make a clear distinction between ivermectin used for livestock and ivermectin used to treat humans. In Mississippi's case, 70% of calls relating to ivermectin were side effects stemming from medicine purchased at livestock supply centers used to treat 
humans, which you're not supposed to do, folks. At least 2% of recent calls to the Mississippi Poison Control Center are about people ingesting ivermectin, 70% of those calls being about livestock or animal formulations of the anti-parasite medicine purchased at a livestock supply center. Some symptoms associated with ivermectin, toxicity, or rash, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, neurological disorders, and potentially severe hepatitis requiring hospitalization. Most callers have had mild symptoms, health department officials said. One person was advised to see a doctor because of the high dosage. The FDA has approved ivermectin in both people and animals for some parasitic worms and for head lice and skin conditions. It has not approved it for use in treating or preventing COVID-19 in humans. FDA didn't look at that doctor's copious amount of research, laboratory-controlled research with ivermectin. CDC probably would have approved it for emergency use authorization. You know, that thing that Pfizer's BioNTech has right now. This is just nuts. It's just nuts. I want to get into the abortion thing and the Texas thing. But before we do that, I want to go to um, I want to go to a couple of audio bites. I th- I think they're pretty critical just to put in concept what we're about to talk about. We're talking about abortions. We're talking about abortions. Now, Joe Biden is a practicing Catholic, has been for his entire life. He's very, very proud of that, talks about it frequently. And as you probably know, one of the tenets of Catholicism is life begins at conception. It's not that life begins when there's a birth. At inception, life begins. And the church has a very, very strong, strongly held and long-held policy of pro-life, anti-abortion. So somebody like Joe Biden, he's got to reconcile somehow to justify his political stance, which he now says is pro-choice. The Obamas, by the way, held the same thing for a long time, as did the Clintons. Pro-life, pro-life. And all three families changed their tune over politics. Crazy thing. I know a lot of people that build their virtues and their thoughts, their personal thoughts and decisions they make surrounding their lives based upon the information they've obtained through moral guidance, through church, through personal circumstances. But when you get in politics, you can't do that anymore. The only thing that you can do is make your choices and decisions based totally on whichever political party with which you prescribe your thinking. And in this case, we're talking about the Democrat Party. I want you to listen closely. This is six years ago. Six years ago. um, He was vice president at the time, Joe Biden. Listen to this back and forth about when human life begins in the way he thinks it is 
and the way he has espoused it. But listen carefully to what he says factually he believes. I'm prepared to accept a fide doctrine on a whole range of issues as a Catholic. Um, even though, as you know, uh, Aquinas argued about in Summa Theologica about human life and being when it occurs, I'm prepared to accept as a matter of faith my wife and I, my family, the issue of, 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 of abortion. But what I'm not prepared to do is impose a rigid view, precise view, rigid sounds uh, pejorative, a precise view that is born out of my faith on other people who are equally God-fearing, equally as committed to life, equally as committed to uh, the sanctity of life, and uh, I'm prepared to accept that the moment of conception is human life and being. But I'm not, pre- I'm not prepared to say that to other God-fearing, non-God-fearing people that have a different view. And even, I don't want to start a theological discussion, I'll get in trouble, it's above my pay grade, although it's my avocation. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's even been di- disagreement in our church. Um, not that abortion is always wrong. But there's been, there's, there's debate. And so, for me, at a point where the church makes a judgment, as we Catholics call the fide doctrine, I said, this is what our doctrine is. All the principles of my faith, I have no, I make no excuse for attempting to live up to. I don't all the time. Um, but I'm not prepared to impose doctrine that I'm prepared to accept on the rest of them. And I actually had that discussion with Pope Benedict. It was a, I had a wonderful meeting with him several months before he stepped down. It was like going back to theology class. Right. And by the way, and, and he wasn't judgmental. It was an open, I, I, I came away enlivened um, from the discussion. Okay, that's Joe Biden from six years ago, basically saying he personally believes the pro-life, that life begins at conception. But his justification six years ago was that I'm not going to impose my doctrinal views on something and feel like I have the right to force another human that may be just as God-fearing as me and what they believe about that. Here's the argument that the far left are making. It's that everybody wants to force women, no matter what happens, no matter how, well, they all get pregnant the same way, but nevertheless force women to have babies that they don't want to have. Nobody wants to force that on people, folks. The Texas abortion law that was signed into law and went into effect on the 1st, it doesn't say that. It doesn't make abortion illegal. It doesn't do away with Roe v. Wade. What it does, the Supreme Court made it very clear, Texas has the right to affect through its legally, legislatively passed pieces of legislation, has the right constitutionally to do just that. And if in the practice of whatever laws Texas implements, 
if there is some alleged wrongdoing being perpetrated as a result of those laws, then come back to the Supreme Court. Doing away with Roe v. Wade does not end, will not end abortion, folks. The left wants everybody to think that, that it's all about Roe v. Wade. In fact, Roe v. Wade had nothing to do specifically with abortion. It wasn't even part of the arguments. It had to do with women's health care rights. And to do that, that Supreme Court, not using or adhering to the science of the matter, but dealing with the the politics of the matter at that time, they conflated women's health care and abortion to be one and the same. And in science, it's not. And if Roe v. Wade is ever overturned, it will be on that basis. Women's health care has nothing to do with having a baby. Now, the science has to do with the physicality that enables a woman to have a baby and a man not doesn't have that capability. But if Roe v. Wade is ever overturned, here's what's going to happen. Abortion is still going to be able to be performed in whatever states allow it in their states. That's the way the law was always written in the U.S. Constitution, the way it was supposed to be enacted. States have the power, just like elections. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, they want the federal government to take all of those constitutional rights away from the states and give that power and that responsibility and that authority to the federal government in D.C. It's unconstitutional to do that. And on that basis, there are many, many constitutional experts that feel like Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional on that basis alone. So you got that? Well, of course, now the Joe Biden idea his policies, and what he's pushed down in his administration are exactly opposite of what he just said, that you just heard him say. Monday, Labor Day, yesterday, the Department of Justice pledged they are going to protect abortion seekers in Texas in the wake of the Supreme Court's 5-4 decision not to block state law that prohibits abortion after six weeks. Here's what A.G. Merrick Garland said. The department will provide support from federal law enforcement when an abortion clinic or reproductive health center is under attack, he added. We will not tolerate violence against those seeking to obtain or provide reproductive health services, physical obstruction or property damage, in violation of the FACE Act. He also stated the DOG prosecutors are working around the clock to find ways to take on the Texas law, saying his agency will protect the constitutional rights of women and other persons, including access to an abortion. How about that? There's no federal law that guarantees access to an abortion, folks. It doesn't exist. His remarks came after White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain said the Biden administration 
would use legal remedies to protect women who are seeking to exercise their constitutional rights of receiving an abortion in Texas. That's not in the Constitution either. I'm just saying, folks, some of the obvious is there. Some of the obvious is there. Well, in the wake of all of this, and remember the law went into effect on the 1st, September 1st, an abortion clinic, one clinic in Texas, rushing to beat the clock on the state's new abortion law, they performed 67 abortions with one doctor over the course of just 17 hours. 67 abortions, one doctor in 17 hours. Do the math. That's four an hour. Every 15 minutes doing one abortion. Texas law took effect on the 1st. According to one outlet, Whole Women's Health Fort Worth only had eight people total between the techs and the front office staff, the doctor and three staff members from a nearby clinic that they brought in to help. Four abortions an hour during 17 hours. The clinic reportedly needed to perform eight abortions an hour with only one doctor on duty. And uh, that doctor was an octogenarian who had been working since 7 in the morning. It felt impossible, they said. But former Planned Parenthood director Abby Johnson indicated those numbers were dangerous, but they're not extraordinary. Johnson, who quit her job and joined the pro-life cause, said that her former Texas clinic aimed to perform abortions within five to seven minutes. She added that her clinic would see about 50 abortions within eight hours. I just don't, I do not understand the mindset. I, I just don't. I cannot grasp the mindset used to justify doing that. It just makes absolutely no sense. There's far more to it than just getting rid of a baby and calling that health care. So many things just don't add up, folks. So many things don't add up. So what's left? Got some big economic news. We really do. And um, what Joe Biden's up to next, economics-wise, for the United States. I'm telling you, folks, this guy, he's lost as a goose. He has no concept of what's going on, what, why he's just doing Whatever somebody is telling him to do. Now remember that phrase. Somebody is telling him to do. Because we're going to take a break. Coming out of this break, you're going to hear former President Barack Obama weigh in on that very thing. Right after this. Beat Yourself Up Hotline. Is this the Beat Yourself Up Hotline? Yes, sir. If you'd like to beat yourself up, this is the place to do it. Okay, I'd like to beat myself up now, please. Go right ahead when you're comfortable. <clears throat> I am so stupid. I can't believe how stupid I am. What an idiot. I left all my holiday shipping until the last minute again. Now it's a huge hassle. Why do I have to do this to myself every year? When, oh, when will I learn? You beat yourself up very well, sir. Thanks. 
But maybe you should just log on to SmartShip.com. SmartShip.com? Right. Type in your zip code and SmartShip.com tells you the fastest, easiest, most affordable way to do your holiday shipping, even at the last minute. Wow. SmartShip.com. Mm-hmm. Why didn't I think of that? Well... Why do I have to have somebody else tell me what to do? Oh, sir. When or oh, when will I ever have an original thought? You're really good at this, sir. I've been told it's a gift. SmartShip.com. The way smart shipping is done. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. There's so many things that are happening in D.C. in the Biden administration that make absolutely no sense. There's no real explanation for why. And uh, we very seldom get the example and the details of what, but they rush to tell us the when. I mean, anything they want to do, they want it to be done right now, implemented right now, and they always do it like it's an emergency that if we don't do this right now, everybody's going to die or there's going to be some type of uh, really horrible result for people. What's the latest news? Well, they've got a list at the White House of anomalies. That's what they call them, anomalies that they will want funded as part of any type of continuing resolution or CR um, that any of these resolutions does not usually fund. The White House is going to send their list of their priorities to the House and Senate Appropriations Committees sometime this week. Don't forget, the federal government is going to run out of money September 30th, which will lead to brinksmanship-style negotiations. It does every time between the Biden White House and congressional Republicans. Biden and Democrat congressional leaders hope to attach a debt ceiling increase, which also must pass, to the government funding bill. So Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has vowed to oppose the inclusion of a debt ceiling increase with the government funding bill. Democrats and Republicans have a bunch of carve-outs in high-priority legislation. Let me give you some examples. By the way, in case you forgot, the Democrats' $3.5 trillion budget, that's what it is, $3.5 trillion. So here's some of the stuff it includes. A civilian climate core, debt relief, environmental justice investments in clean water affordability and access, healthy ports, and climate equity. 
investments in clean vehicles, paid family and medical leave, um, Obamacare expansion extension and filling the Medicaid coverage gap, health equity, that's maternal, behavioral, and racial justice, health investments, investments, that's what they always call them, investments, state and local tax deduction relief, which primarily benefits wealthy blue states. That's that salt thing. When you live in D.C., uh, you live in New York City, you live in California, and you got these multi-million dollar homes, and you've got mortgages on them. Before Donald Trump was president, you could deduct all of the taxes, your real estate taxes from your income tax. Donald Trump and the Republican Party capped that at $10,000. And the wealthiest of Americans, and you would think, listening to Democrat leaders like Pelosi and Biden and Schumer and all Democrats on the stump, the Republicans are the wealthy people. They want to pour money into the pockets of their big donors, the Republicans. Well, who are the big donors? Big corporations and very wealthy That's exactly what the Democrats are trying to do for themselves and for their contributors is to cut that SALT tax deduction ceiling and make it be just like it was under the Obama administration. And then they have this tax fairness thing. Oh, it's for high-income individuals or those who are making more than $400,000 a year. You're filthy rich. So they're going to raise exorbitant taxes on people that make more than $400,000 a year. Their spending includes universal pre-K for three- and four-year-olds, electrifying the federal vehicle fleet for U.S. post office and non-U.S. post office, lawful permanent status for qualified immigrants or amnesty for illegal aliens. They threw that in a spending bill. In other words, they want to give every illegal immigrant citizenship. That's their long-term goal. They're not through yet, folks. That $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, which 19 Senate Republicans voted for, there are some carve-outs, one, two, or three of them in there. Like in the bill, it defines gender identity as a protected class. Not gender, but gender identity. The bill doles out digital equity grants, partly because they're based on racial or ethnic minority status. State-mandated carbon reduction programs contains funding for zero-emission vehicles, addresses over-the-road bus tolling equity, contains the word equity 64 times, provides roughly $2.5 billion dollars to help the U.S. government expand the border processing stations that are used by migrants from those poor Central American nations and other regions around the world. That's an infrastructure bill. Senate conservatives like Josh Hawley from Missouri called out the infrastructure bill for containing many woke issues. Now gender identity is infrastructure. Can't can't wait to see what else is in this bill. So this is the crap that our leaders in Washington, the ones that are out there, they're supposed to be taking care of us. And this administration, they can't get Americans out of Afghanistan 
when they could have done it and got them all out before the crap started, before it hit the fan. They didn't do it. And now, of course, you hear all of those folks in the Biden administration and the State Department and the military leaders saying, well, most of those people, they didn't want to leave. They wanted to stay there. That's horse hockey. You've heard us play audio bite after audio bite, telephone call after telephone call, story after story of Americans that were trying to get the State Department to work with them to get them to the freaking airport to get on a plane and fly out before the military vacated. So in all of this stuff that you just heard in that bill, does any of that, any of that sound eerily familiar to what went on in the Obama administration? Any of it? Think about it for a second. All that money, citizenship, green energy, forgiving debt, any of that sound familiar? Do you once or twice remember thinking, you know, it's like nobody, nobody could do the stuff that Joe Biden is doing. Nobody can believe he's coming up with these ideas on his own. And you say, he's not. And the go-to question is, who's controlling Joe? Where's this coming from? Is it Valerie Jarrett, who was the guru in the Oval Office in the Obama two administrations back-to-back? She was not elected. She was not appointed. She was just a advisor for Barack Obama, and everybody knew nothing went to President Obama without first being approved by Valerie Jarrett. She the one in the Obama administration is now in the Biden administration? Nope, she's not at the White House. So who could be the Wizard of Oz in the Biden administration? Just happened to run across this this morning. Listen to this little tidbit from former President Barack Obama. And what you know now, do you wish like you had a, sec, a, a third term? Um, and I, I used to say, you know what, if, if I could make an arrangement where um, I had, a, I had a, a stand-in, a front man or front woman, and, and they had an earpiece in, and I was just in my basement in my sweats mm-hmm. looking through the stuff, and then I could sort of deliver the lines, but somebody else was uh, doing all the talking and ceremony. Wow. I, I'd be fine with that. Sound a little familiar? Sound like it might be an answer to a question we've all had? I told you when it was first revealed toward the very, very end of the Obama administration that they had bought a compound in Washington, D.C. We're going to be the first presidents in U.S. history and first family to remain in Washington when their term in the White House was over. And it's just blocks away from the Capitol. They've been there, and they added on to their compound and brought in a bunch of people there who previously were in the Obama administration and were very active political activists that are working there. So you can look at all of this craziness that we talk about here every day, and you deal with it even when we're not in the show. We all do. It's very critical stuff that is happening in our nation. It impacts all of us in one way or another. It all does. Joe Biden doesn't have the mental capacity 
to put all of this stuff into motion. But these are the exact things that Barack Obama talked about during his administration, eight years. Much of it he tried to get out there, and it's just coming back around. Do you think that maybe what we suspected all along is actually happening? Then it is Barack Obama that is plugged into Joe, and um, he is getting Joe and people that work in Biden's administration to implement some of these very things using that exact straw man process that he talked about on camera several years ago, long before Joe Biden was actually even nominated to run as a Democrat in 2020. So, yesterday was Labor Day. Let's talk about labor. Let's talk about jobs. Let's talk about income for workers. This popped out from the federal government, from the Biden administration yesterday. On Labor Day, obviously a lot of people weren't looking in, thought maybe this would just kind of go over everybody's head. Real average hourly earnings for all employees decreased 1% from June to July, according to data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Businesses across the nation are paying their workers more as they struggle to fill a record number of open positions. Wages increased four-tenths of a percentage point in July, but prices are rising even faster. The consumer price index rose five-tenths of a point. So, rate wages rise? Oh, that sounds great. Everybody's getting pay raises. That's what Biden wants. Let's get this minimum wage nationwide up to $15 an hour. There's nobody can raise a family working and making $10 an hour. You can't do it. Or minimum wage. People just can't function in that world. They never talk about the fact that minimum wage was to be a starting point for people that were just getting in the labor market, getting out of school, looking for part-time work, getting a start, learning a business. None of that matters to these people. It's give me more and give it to me right now. Zoom out the time frame and things are even worse. Real average hourly earnings nosedived 1.2% from July 2020 to July 2021. The change in real average hourly earnings combined with an increase of 0.6% in the average work week resulted in a 0.7% decrease in real average weekly earnings. So cut to the chase. What's it really mean, Dan? We're working more and we're earning less. The government tracks a category of job holders that they call production and non-supervisory employees. In other words, everybody but the bosses. From July of 2020 to July this year, real average hourly earnings decreased 1.1%. When inflation started to pick up earlier this year, many of the pundits said there would be a silver lining of wage increases. That's top line. But it's not what your paycheck says the gross is. All that matters is what you take home. And then you got to take what you take home and spend it. And when the stuff you're spending it on costs more, 
that means you're really making less. Though the bottom line on your check may be a little bit more, you're making less to spend. Wow. So in the wake of Hurricane Ida, we saw what it did in Louisiana. Folks, there's still about 400,000 people in South and Southeast Louisiana that don't have electricity right now. In fact, the private school, Evangel Christian Academy in Shreveport, that our uh, grandkids are all enrolled in, and uh, we're involved in, Marianne and I, very heavily in many ways. They're supposed to play a football game, their football team is, in Dutchtown, at Dutchtown High School, south, let's see, southwest a little bit of Baton Rouge, the capital city. It's kind of a third of the way between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. As of yesterday, as of last night, they don't have electricity in Dutchtown. So Evangel's supposed to travel down and play that game on Friday night. They don't know how long it's going to take to get electricity back there. Entergy is the company that provides all their electricity. And there were, there were some deaths and really bad stuff that happened in Louisiana as a result of Ida. But boy, the place it really got banged bad was in New York. The Washington Post, they uh, mentioned in an article, they mentioned the federal government's role in creating a high-migration, low-wage economy that delivered some of the poor migrants over the months and years to big cities around the nation. And in many cases, a lot of these people went into New York, went into Manhattan, and of course, you know what the cost of real estate is up there. You think it's bad where you live in New York City and Manhattan? It's unbelievable. It's unthinkable. So a lot of these migrants, they ended up going to big cities because the consensus is that's where you go and you can get a job. And of course, the, the productive ones of those migrants are no different than the productive ones in, of Americans here is you want to find a way to make an income, support yourself, support your family. So the Washington Post gave the Biden administration a free pass by just kind of dismissing the fact that the immigration policies in the Biden administration have pushed a bunch of people into New York that were forced to live in some of these basements of these buildings around Manhattan, many of that were not even approved for people to live in, and a bunch of them died because these basement buildings flooded during Hurricane Item. One small portion of the death toll was sketched on Sunday in the Washington Post. When the remnants of Hurricane Ida dropped seven inches of rain on the New York City area in three hours, 11 of the 13 people who died were found in basement apartments that in most cases were never legally converted into residential space. Most of the dead were immigrants. They'd come to New York from Trinidad, Nepal, and from China. They were busboys and kitchen helpers and 7-Eleven clerks. And in a city where apartments rent for far more than many immigrants' first jobs pay, 
the only affordable housing they'd been able to find was below the ground. The federal government's immigration policy deliberately extracts legal and illegal workers, consumers, and renters from many poor countries so they can be exploited by U.S. employers, landlords, and investors. Those migrants cluster into coastal cities, pushing up rent for migrants and Americans at the same time. The article that was published in the Washington Post, its four authors did not acknowledge the government's delivery of migrant victims to the flood. Instead, they invited New York leaders to blame the drownings on other aspects of the federal migration problem, such as the cities, New York City's inability to enforce their housing rules, or the possibility that federal migration laws might be enforced. At least 100,000 people, and there's a strong possibility there's a lot more, are living in those apartments. That's what Mayor de Blasio said Friday. So many people who end up in the legal basements are fearful to communicate for fear they might be evicted or worse in their mind, deported. In one of the most expensive housing markets in the world, they have offered low-income New Yorkers, including many working-class families who work in restaurants and hotels, affordable places to live. The basement apartments also provide some extra income for some of these small landlords, many of whom, by the way, are also immigrants. Deborah Torres, she lives on the first floor of a building in Woodside, Queens. She said she heard desperate cries from the basement apartment of three members of a family. One was a toddler as floodwaters just rushed into the basement. A powerful cascade of water prevented anybody from getting into the apartment to help or anyone from getting out. The family, none of them survived. Like the Washington Post and New York Times downplayed the poor Americans who were forced by government-engineered high rental costs to live in basement apartments. Four reporters wrote the New York Times article. Four of them. The Washington Post's second article on Sunday described the economic conundrum where roughly 8 million Americans are refusing to go back to work at their low-wage jobs. At heart, there is a massive reallocation underway in the economy that's triggering a great reassessment, a great reassessment of work in America from both employers and employees. Workers are shifting where they want to work and how. For some, this is a personal choice. The pandemic and all of the anxieties, the lockdowns and time at home have changed people. Some want to work remotely forever. Others want to spend more time with their families, and others want a more flexible or more meaningful career path. It's the you-only-live-once mentality on steroids. Meanwhile, companies are beefing up automation and redoing entire supply chains and office setups. This is a perspective that nobody's thought about. I hadn't thought about it. The only thing I realized or thought about where there were a lot of people that died in these sub-level basements when Hurricane Ida dumped all that rain on Manhattan and parts of New Jersey as well. And there were people that died, far more than died here in Louisiana. Much of the reason is all of the 
horrible planning and the structure of all of these illegals that are being allowed in, but they're really not being plugged into society in a meaningful way where they can contribute, where they can live, where they can eke out an income for their families and themselves just to make a good life that they came here to make. It's like this administration, they think, hey, we got it taken care of. And they just kind of go, we did our part, now you do your part. We got you here, go make it work. In some cases, it's working. That's the American dream. But when you do it under the table, when you do it underhandedly, when you do it illegally outside of the law, which means that these people really don't have access to all the same things that come to those who do it legally and safely and plug in. A lot of these people want to stay below the radar screen where nobody knows they're there. That's a horrible atmosphere to try to live in and be productive and happy and raise a family. You know something that nobody's talked about for the last couple of weeks? Maybe even a little bit longer. What's going on at our southern border? Afghanistan dominated. It still is. On Monday, yesterday, Texas Department of Public Safety Lieutenant Christopher Oliveras said in an interview that the situation down at our southern border is totally out of control and said without stiffer policies from the Biden administration, we're going to continue to see historic numbers of illegals coming our way month in and month out. Oliveira said these human smugglers are very bold, and right now we're seeing them do things they've never done before as far as the extent of the driving, the reckless driving. They put these immigrants in danger by the way they drive. Not only that, but the uh, motoring public as well, and we continue to see that to increase because of this current surge that's taking place right now. We haven't heard about this. I mean, the media just quit talking about it. I'm talking about even Fox News and Newsmax and One America News. There are very few of them saying anything about the southern border stuff. It's like the spigot cut off. Oliveira's later added, right now the situation's out of control. And unless the administration steps in and does something, puts some stiffer policies in place, We're going to continue to see these historic numbers month in and month out. So right now, nothing's being done on their part, but the state of Texas is stepping in and doing what we can to keep our community safe and to keep the nation safe. We haven't even said a word today about Afghanistan and about the withdrawal over there and what's still hanging out there. There's so many so many things that are misrepresentative, so many lies have been told, so many people, details up in the air. And it's it's just been the exacerbation of the news cycle, folks. When you can't get facts and everybody's out there shooting a shotgun into the air with a bunch of little BBs coming out of the end of their guns instead of shooting bullets that we can rely on the bullet to be accurate, It's just a fog of misinformation out there. So Secretary of State Antony Blinken, um, he's over there. He's over in the Middle East now trying to get things situated over there with the governments over there to help us with these Afghanistan 
uh, individuals that are being saved and taken out of Afghanistan. Well, he is set to testify before a Senate panel next week about the Afghanistan withdrawal. Secretary of State Blinken is going to be there, um, let's see, Tuesday after the U.S. military mission on the ground in Afghanistan was ended but felt short as we've, we're hearing every day of getting every American out. The chairman of that committee, the one that he's going to be in front of, the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, is a Democrat from New Jersey, Senator Robert Menendez. He's vowed to hold hearings on the Biden administration's withdrawal from Afghanistan, which uh, Menendez called a flawed plan, which is kind of a benign way of saying it stunk, and it still does. In implementing this flawed plan, Menendez said, I'm disappointed the Biden administration did not accurately assess the implications of the rapid U.S. withdrawal. We are now witnessing the horrifying results of many years of policy and intelligence failures. And Menendez obviously was taking shots at the Trump administration, particularly the previous administration's negotiations with the Taliban. The Senate Foreign Relations Committee will continue fulfilling its oversight role with a hearing on U.S. policy towards Afghanistan, including the Trump administration's flawed negotiations with Taliban and the Biden administration's flawed execution of the U.S. withdrawal. It's just simply, instead of just saying, hey, we just want to get to the bottom of this, we want to get the facts in all this, they have to, when they make these public statements, they've got to pull the cover off of just being honest, working American legislators, representing Americans. They have to throw in that, I'm a Democrat, so I'm going to bash every Republican that's been in office. Americans are sick of this, folks. Why can't we just deal with the truth? Why can't we just deal with the facts? Why do we have to politicize everything? We got to come up with, oh, this is this political party and that political party. And they, because they're Democrats or they, because they're Republicans, they're evil. They want to do it the wrong way. Here's the way they should be doing it. Here's what they should not be doing. Americans are sick of it. We just need to be Americans. That's what we need to do. Hey, this is going to be a short week, but I promise you, it's not going to be a week that's void of uh, important things. So, we're going to publish at least one story every day. In the upcoming few weeks, you're going to see more stories published here at Truth News Network and by a few more people. Kelly Nelson will have a story up live this week. Uh, Dr. Mercola, Joseph Mercola, story published today with a ton of of sources talking about COVID-19 and our vaccine process and where we stand and giving us just the facts. We'll be back every day here at TNN Live. If you can't listen live, you can always grab one of the podcasts after the show's over. You can get it at Apple Podcast. You can get it at Spotify Podcast. All you do if you got an account at either is just go there and, and do in the search bar TNN Live. Thank you so much for being here, folks, and we will see you first thing bright and early 
tomorrow morning, 9 to 11 a.m. Thanks for being a part of Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. Have a great one. See you tomorrow.